Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. It's wonderful to have you here. This morning, we, as we Mark alluded to earlier, we are in the series called Are You Crazy? And uh, it's a great question that my wife asks me often which I nod yes, and uh, people have asked me for years, you support Liverpool, are you crazy? Did you see the game last night? I'm not crazy. I see the future. But I think it's a question you could probably ask as well. All the, every single person, if you're visiting, you'd probably say, are they crazy? What are they doing? Are they crazy getting in water in a church? Nochal. This is, and this is not holy carpet. Don't worry, it's allowed to get wet, just to let you know. It's not from Jerusalem, promise. But also, you might have also been, while we're singing, Mark said earlier, we don't have the dot that follows the words, like the karaoke. Probably would be helpful for the visitors. Hey, just sing along. I like that. It's very good. But are you crazy? Maybe you're asking that question. We're giving up weekends. We're giving up time. We're giving up energy. We're giving up our gifts. We're giving up, uh, we're seeing Marguerite take photos, people pouring out their lives for this, this thing called the kingdom of God. Are they crazy? We think so. We think so, because it's nothing, it's not of this world, it's not something that's tangible, it's not something that you can, you can add up and say, yeah, that's what's happened. It's something that you pour out, and the kingdom of God gives way, way more back to you. God is good like that. But we're in the series, so I just want to bring us up to speed if you've been out of the loop. Week one, Mark got up, and he, and he called us to be not an ordinary people. He called us out of our smallness and, and, uh, and launched us into the series, Are You Crazy? Week two, I had many seats up here. And, and I felt God was calling us to be a people who don't sit in the seat of comfort, who don't sit in the seat of compromise, who don't sit in the seat of criticism, but take up the call of being crazy men and women of faith and say we want to believe the promise rather than our comfort levels. And then last week we had Craig Clark who was in here, and he, he called us to be a people who encircle the promises of God. Are you crazy? We believe the answer should be yes, the series. But today... I have the privilege of pushing us on. Uh, we in the book of Hebrews, if, you, if you're not familiar with that book, we're in chapter 11. But the book of Hebrews, very quickly, is a letter written to a bunch of people who were Jewish uh, believers. They were Jewish by, by nature, by birth. They were Jewish by tradition. But they had stumbled upon Jesus, the pearl of great price. And, uh, and they, these, this group of Jewish believers, the, the scholars say they were living in the, in the, under the Roman emperor Nero. And uh, Nero suddenly got it a bee in his bonnet, and he wanted to have every Christian persecuted, their property stolen, he wanted to have them whipped and flogged, uh, he wanted their, their house, houses to be terrorized. Christian, Christianity wasn't popular. And these people who were Jewish by birth, suddenly with the, the state coming against them, very nervous, they started to realize that actually Judaism in this culture was tolerated. So that the temptation was, well, what if we just, we just don't say we're Christian, we don't overtly do it, but we can just slip back to the synagogue, we can maybe just do it quietly in our hearts, maybe, but we'll just slip back into the Jewish way of life, and no one will be none the, none the wiser. The writer of Hebrews is writing to that group of people, saying, don't give up the faith that you're holding out on. Don't trade it for something simple. Don't trade something for, trade the profound nature of the kingdom of God, the profound nature of Jesus Christ, for something such as silly as safety and security. And the writer goes through, he does expertly, takes them through all these things, and he declares that Jesus is better than their traditions. He says Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the angels. Don't settle for something less than Jesus. 
And the writer takes him, gets to this crescendo, this chapter 11, where he uses all the heroes of the Jewish faith. And he goes deep and he speaks a language that they would know. He means goes through all these heroes and saying, they did not give up. Don't turn back now. And he gets to possibly my favorite part of the, of the book, chapter 12. The first few verses says this in the message version. Strip down. Start running. Never quit. And I love that. It grips me. And I want to declare it and say, this is our story too. This is our journey. We're not preaching this into a vacuum. We're preaching this flesh and blood people who are wanting to pursue this Jesus. Maybe you're here today and say, I don't want to pursue this Jesus yet. I pray by the end of this morning, something will grip your heart and you'll realize that everything else, every other pursuit, fame, money, uh, relationships will not satisfy. Jesus is better. That's what Hebrews is saying. And I want to say that's the clarion call this morning for us. Strip down. Start running. Never quit. A simple call for us who pursue Jesus. But this morning, I want to focus on a verse in chapter 11. It's a verse that possibly in the last week has blown my mind. It's taken a hold of me. It's put courage in my heart. I've never read it in this context before. It's one verse. Have you got appetite for one verse? Sorry, just only three people. Have you got appetite for one verse? Just checking, just checking. This verse, if we digest it, if we take it in, I believe it will change our lives forever. Let's read it. It's on the scripture behind me. From the message version. It's not verse 1 to 3. Sorry, it's verse 20. But anyway. By an act of faith, Isaac reached into the future as he blessed Jacob and Esau. Can we read it together? Are you ready? On three. Let's read it. One, two, three. By an act of faith, Isaac reached into the future as he blessed Jacob and Esau. You can leave that scripture up behind me the whole time. Let's pray. Father, I pray for us this morning, uh, a bunch of people who are by some chance or because of invitation or because of tradition, we've landed on the seats here, plastic seats in a venue called Life Changes this morning on Sunday, the 22nd of November. But I thank you, God, that this is in your economy. As you look at this meeting, your heart bubbles with excitement. You silence all of eternity. You silence all of the angels. And you say, can you see what I'm about to do? I thank you, Father God, that you're pulling sons and daughters who have been running far back to your call. You're igniting hearts that have grown dim to run once again. And you're calling all of us as a people to forsake everything else and say, Jesus, you're all that we need. I thank you, Father God, for these people in front of me, that they are faith-filled, big-thinking, bet-the-farm risk-takers. I thank you, God, they are big-thinking, faith-filled, bet-the-farm risk-takers, and they will not insult God with small living and safe thinking. I declare over this people, God, a bunch of crazy, crazy people who are going to change the world. Amen. That was a prophecy, by the way, if you receive it. That's how we do it here. Throw it out. But I'm excited. We're very, very excited. This morning, I want to tell you in this one verse, I'm going to open it up and then bring us back to the backstory. We'll have coffee together and our lives will be forever changed. I'm excited for that. But this verse has blown my mind as I read it. By faith, by an act of faith, Isaac reached into the future and blessed his sons. Profound, profound. And I want to say this morning, very quickly, I suggest that faith, as we're going on this journey of faith, that faith can become a word, a term out there that we're not too sure how to grab hold of. I want to declare that faith for me is becoming more and more a posture. Faith is a posture. What do I mean 
by that. I can tell you that either we can be leaning into our circumstances, leaning into our past, leaning into our deficiencies, leaning into our defaults, our defects, our sin, our brokenness. We can be leaning into our past or we can be leaning into a different direction. Faith is a posture. I believe that some so often what happens is, and I, this is for me, this is so real, tangible, on the ground stuff, that most mornings, I believe in this congregation, doesn't happen here, but many people say, my boss is such a chop. Doesn't happen here? Doesn't happen. Relax, Mark, relax. I'm just saying, anyone want to identify with that statement? No, you don't have to put your hand up. Your bosses are watching. Don't worry. But I just, I believe that people, is that, that phrase comes out of us. Or maybe you say this stuff in, in, as you wake up or in the middle of the night or as you go through your week and you stumble along over your own inadequacies. You say things to yourself, I'm such an addict. I've done it again. I've done it again. Or you say, you say my wife, oh, wow, she drives me up the wall. She keeps doing that thing that irritates me. I'm just saying it from my perspective. Possibly my husband is more often the one that said, just saying. Or maybe say, my mom drives me mad. My kids are nightmares. Maybe you say something like this. This country is going to the dogs. This government. Four billion. Come on. And I believe that as we do this, as we come into agreement with our circumstances around us, I believe that we, there's only two postures for us. There's not a third neutral option that we are either leaning into our circumstances and what we see around us, or as the Bible, this scripture calls us, we have the potential or the possibility to lean into our future. Very quickly this morning, I want to declare that your future is not defined by your present reality. Your future is not defined by your present reality. Faith is seeing the unseen. Faith is believing God. Faith is leaning into believing God. It's one thing to say, yeah, I believe God. Another is to lean into that. Put your full confidence, your full weight, your, you shift your weight from defense to offense into Him, trusting Him fully. Faith is leaning into the unseen. Faith is leaning into the future. I believe as a people, we too often live on the back foot. And I have been saying to myself over the last few days, and I don't have much weight to carry physically, but I've been declaring, Gabe, it's time to shift your weight. It's time to shift your weight. I wake up in the morning, and the day looms large, and the pain of the night before, or the, the brokenness of my, my past looms large, or the frustration of my, my boss and what they hold, or the, the workspace, or, or what I'm not seeing financially, that looms large, but I've got the the potential, the faith seed drops in. I can, I can lean in there, but I say, Gabe, shift your weight into a different reality. I want to tell you this, this morning, we are a people of the future. I'm reading the scripture. I read it at home, and I've written it in my Bible. By an act of faith, Gabe reached into the future, and he blessed his sons. Can I tell you? I believe that this is our scripture for us as a, a church. Life changes. As an act of faith, life changes reached into the future and blessed those to come. I want to tell you, we are a people of the future. We are people who see this future. We speak the future, and we become the future. We see the future, we speak it, and we become it. That is what a prophetic people looks like. Not a people who just talk about it, but we actually lean into it. That's a prophetic people. 
But I love the fact that the verse does not end there. It says, by an act of faith, Isaac reached into the future as he blessed Jacob and Esau. He blessed his sons. I love this because I want to declare that we are a people who exist for others. This is not a self-sufficient, self-sustaining thing. We are people who exist for others. Our faith is determining the faith of others. Did you know that? Your faith is determining the faith, whether for good, whether to lean on this foot or to lean into the future of others. Let me tell you this way. By one act of faith, my wife Fiona, who comes from a family where they do not believe in Christ, or for years gone, going backwards, she chose Christ on a school field years ago, where it was not popular, where it was not um, the thing to do, even so that family and friends, some of them rejected her for a season because of her decision to follow Christ. But can I tell you, maybe she didn't have the words to articulate it then, but I declare that by faith, Fiona reached into a future that she did not see around her, that was not popular around her. She reached into a future, and she blessed my children. Did you know that? She changed the line by one decision, by an act of faith. I really believe it. When Fiona, my wife, I want to boast about her, but because of the family back, what she saw, her circumstances around her was marriage, marriage does not work. So much so that words came out of her mouth that she said, I don't want to get married because there's too much pain involved. But came a moment, it wasn't meeting me. I know you might think that, was it? But I want to tell you, there came a moment where maybe she didn't have the scripture, but by her, by her actions, by faith, Fiona reached into a future that she could not see, and she shifted away and said, I'm going to get married for my future, for my kid's future. She's going to just change the, the aspect of the, the landscape of what the, la the line of my family looks like, what her family looks like, because she declares something in faith. That's called shifting our weight. I want to tell you, years ago, I've said it many times, so don't get too shocked. But I used to be a, a, a pornography addict. And I tell you, I woke up day after day going, I'm, I'm, I'm such a sinner. I'm so guilty. I'm so wretched. I'm so dirty. How can I do this again and again? I'm so powerless. And I made another promise. And the next day, I was in the same place again. How do I keep doing this? But can I tell you, there came a moment where by faith, Gabe had to lean, either choose either to lean into that reality or say, I don't see it. Everything around me says guilt. Everything around me says sin. Everything around me says unrighteous. But I want to lean into a future and reach into a future I don't see yet. And by faith, I lent into a future I do not see. I shifted my weight. And can I tell you, my children will not grow up as a, as a product of children of a son who's a, sex, a dad who's a sexual addict. Do you know that? I declare that over this, my sons, my, the family line that goes ahead of me, my faith determines what they walk in. By faith, Gabe, Fiona, life changes, reached into the future. I want to tell you this incredible thing. By one act of faith, Wally and Shirley, 16 years ago, reached into a future they did not see so that men and women, a man named Luke, could find Jesus here in this place. How's that? 16 years ago, what did Wally and Shirley see? They saw nothing. But they had the choice to go, do we lean into those circumstances? Or do we reach into a future that we cannot even see or fathom and bless those who we don't even know yet? By faith, Wally and Shirley reached into the future and blessed their sons. I love this. I want to tell you, by one act of faith, a team heading into Milneton in January and February are reaching into the future and blessing those who are still to come.
Do you know that? We apply, if you're unfamiliar, out of this congregation, we're going to be planting a life change congregation in Milneton. Not because this is fun. This is cool here. But we want to do that because we believe that we want to not just lean into what we have. We want to lean into a future that is yet to come. And believe for those who do not know it yet that we are moving there for them. They can find Christ. By faith, life changes, moving into Milneton, is reaching into the future to bless their sons. This is power. I want to tell you that I am fearful. This is my confession to you this morning. <laughs> I'm very fearful. I'm very weak. I hate admin. I hate it. I get overwhelmed very quickly. But I want to tell you in my life, I, I have to choose. That's why the scripture has become so real. The scripture, you can ask Fiona how many times I have said this this week to her. This scripture has to be more than just words on a page. It has to be my reality. I'm saying, Gabe, I've got to shift my weight, not into my fear of the unknown, not into the fear of admin or my insecurities or my defects. I want to shift my weight into this is who I'm called to be. I might not see it yet, but I'm going to reach into a future I do not see. That's the power of this verse. We've got to keep doing that. So let's quickly do it. As I said, I've said many times before, the Hebrews 11, these little one-liners, they're like the Twitter version of a backstory. They've got a Marvel backstory that's much bigger than these one-liners. These one-liners sound incredible, lovely, bite-sized, chewable, but we have to look back very quickly at an amazing, amazing story. It's found in Genesis 27. You can go read it at home. For time's sake, I'm just going to paraphrase, but I love this thing because if by first glance at that scripture, if you do not know the backstory, you go, these guys must be amazing. Heroes of the faith. Can I tell you, Hebrews 11 is not a list of the blessed good. It's a list of the blessed bad. They sucked. <laughs> I promise you, they were useless. And so much so, in Genesis chapter 27, there's a story where we've got multiple characters. Sorry, oh. We've got multiple characters where if you, you have to look so, so hard, and I can tell you, you will not find a good character in the story. There's no redeeming character. You read the list, you go, you're going, maybe them. No, they're useless. Oh, they're also useless. Oh, great story to learn from. Yay. It's one of those. I'm telling you, it's like a soap opera. It's like, you know, the bold and the beautiful. There's not one good character from my lens. There's not one good character. But this is like a soapy on steroids. Genesis 27 starts with, you've got a father named Isaac, who is the most useless man in the Bible, I think. He does nothing. He, gets, he just walks into favor. Can I tell you, even this great story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac, he did nothing. He just lay down. What's going on, Dad? You do, oh, what? Okay, we're done. Okay, cool. Didn't really get it. Moves on. He was so spineless, he didn't even choose his own wife. He sent a servant to go find him a wife. I know it sounds good for some single guys. Yeah, no, that could work. Choose. No, that's not the point. Don't write it down. But that's what he did. Sends a servant. Go find a wife. Convince her that I look, I look good. Maybe false Facebook profile picture. Take this one. Surprise! <laughs> I've got red hair. <laughs> but the story goes on. Then we've, so we've got Isaac, who's this terrible father. And when we pick it up in Genesis 27, he's actually on his deathbed. So he's done nothing brilliant up to now. Hebrews 11 hasn't mentioned him. But the moment it mentions him, he's actually dying. He's blind. And he's going a bit senile. Hero of the faith. Power. Then we've got a meddling mother who is meddling, who's manipulative, who's a liar, who's just, who really is playing favorites. She is your 
I don't know, is it Brooke? Hey, you guys got it in your mind? There we go. See the Soapy fans? Give me an amen. There we go. Good. No condemnation. You can do, watch what you like. We won't judge you publicly. Just in our hearts. But it's a story. And, and then you come to a good Soapy needs to have twins. Huh? The twin brother. What? He was here all along. This story has twins. Can you believe it? It's Soapy heaven. If you want to, if you like stuff, you go read the story. But we meet the first one who's the oldest by a few seconds. His name is Esau. And the Bible describes him in two ways. And I love these two ways. It says Esau was red and hairy. Come on. I'm like, that's my man. I like this guy. But let me tell you, that's where the likeness probably stops as well. He was, if it was in our world, he was first team rugby material. He was, uh, he was rough. He was, he was out killing animals. He was slitting the throats of things. He was wild. He, was, he never shaved. Every month was Movember. Every month. He was just huge. He was talented. He was a, he was a jock of the times. All the girls loved this guy. Esau, oh, Esau, you know. Red hair was big back then. But it's coming back. It's coming back. But Esau was like this. So, uh, yeah, okay, he's this amazing man. But then you meet his sniveling little brother, younger guy who just came, was came out just behind him, Jacob, he was a mama's boy. He wasn't good at DIY. He could not change a tire of a car very well. He was not a strong swimmer. Wait, 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 why am I describing myself here? Wait, rewind, sorry. Sorry, I apologize. But that was him. Jacob was, uh, he was by the absolute antithesis of Esau. Esau red and hairy. Jacob was smooth-skinned. He was, he was a man who sat at home and he knew Jamie Oliver's cookbooks back to front. Top-notch man. But this story comes in and, uh, and we see this amazing story where we pick it up very quickly is Esau um, was the firstborn. And in this culture, firstborn status meant everything. If you were the firstborn, no matter what you did, no matter how you behaved, you would get blessed with inheritance, with a future that you did not deserve, a future that you did not, could not earn, a future that was bigger than any of your efforts. Firstborn son got that just because of the line, the lineage. Amazing. So Esau was in the pound seats. And it came to the moment where Esau was about to be blessed with the, the, the powerful inheritance. His father was going to give him, in our language, the full estate was going to hand over the authority, hand over the keys of the car, hand over the, the, the power of signature. Go, it's going to be yours, Esau. And the moment comes, so senile dad says, Esau, come here. I want you, before I bless you, go out and kill some animals and make me an amazing meal. I want to eat because you just, you just, the way you do the meat is outstanding. So, so Esau went, put out the braai, got it ready. The coals were perfect. One, two, three, four, five, counting. You know that trick? You know? He did that. He knew it started with him. Then, just joking, it's not in the Bible. Just adding that in. He went out to kill an animal, but then mom, meddling mom, was on the sideline. She said, hey, I don't dig Esau that much. I enjoy Jacob. Jacob's been much more kinder to me than Esau. I think, I think we can make a plan here. So he says, she goes to Jacob and says, Jacob, I've got a plan. Dad is losing it. He doesn't have good sight anymore. So what we're going to do is I'm going to cook you that meal he's asked for. And before Esau gets back, you're going to go in and steal the blessing. Esau's like, okay, let me think about that. I like it. We're on this. So they do this thing, this meddling story. Esau's out. The twin brother's gone. The other twin brother slidles in. And what to make himself, he goes, but I'm smooth. I'm, 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 not, just, I'm not like my older brother. I'm, it's going to be a dead giveaway. So she says, don't worry. Cologne of your older brother. Way too much, you know. 
way too much. Guys never know the limit. Just ah. walked into it, beautiful. She said, put on your brother's clothes. And she also got some animal fur and put it on his arms. Esau was a hairy dude. That's what I'm picking up from this. He was a hairy dude. Let me just say, he would have been a prime candidate for Gillette. Anyway, hairy arms. So he did this, and, 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 and Jacob's like, okay, we're going to do this. So he takes the meal through, and he knocks on the door, and, and he goes in. And the dad, Isaac, says, come here, my boy. Come close, Esau. I can't believe you're back so soon. It's amazing. And this conversation begins. So much so he gets to the crux of the matter where, where Isaac says, hey, just come closer. I, I want to I feel you because he's like, it sounds like Jacob talking here. It doesn't sound like Esau, but maybe I'm just going, I'm, 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 nearly, I'm nearly done. So come close. I want to touch you. So he reaches out and he feels Isaac, uh, feels Jacob. And, and he says this thing. He says, it sounds like Jacob, but it feels like Esau. So he goes, okay, okay. He says, fine. Let me taste, let me taste the meal then. So he gets it and he goes, because he's about to taste, he goes, he's talking to himself and he tastes the meal and he goes, it sounds like Jacob, but this is definitely Esau's meal. I know this meal. I've tasted it many times. This is Esau. So the final thing is he says, come close, come close. And he says, let me, let me, let me smell you, my boy. Strange father and son interaction. But he leans in and he says, it sounds like Jacob, but it smells like Esau. It's profound, profound moments. And then after that, from that moment, he's convinced. He said, must be Esau. So he blesses him. The father Isaac blesses Jacob, forever changing the course of history, changing the line of the family and declaring a new future for a boy who was going to be super, who was going to be pushed aside, who was not going to feature in anything. Suddenly this man, by default, by crooking the system, he gets blessed with a future that that's, he does not deserve, he does not step into, he should not have got. Amazing, amazing story. I want to pick up there for time's sake that it reminds me of another father and son in Scripture. There's a father named Father God and a son named Jesus. The Scriptures describe Jesus as the firstborn among all creation. The scriptures define Jesus as the firstborn from the dead. They call him the only begotten son of the father. Hebrews even says he's our older brother. The father was besotted with him. But there's this amazing moment when Jesus, who had everything, everything that the father has is mine. Jesus did this incredible moment where he came to earth and he took off the cloak, the clothes of, 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 of heaven and he embraced the fallenness, the brokenness of our humanity in the full extent. So much so that the Bible tells us he became sin for us. And he died on the cross. And the Bible tells us that he became a curse so that the blessing could come to the secondborns. I want to tell you this amazing thing. Years ago, I was sitting. And after one of these episodes when I had stepped over the line and I had done stuff that I knew I shouldn't have for the millionth time. And I felt defeated. I felt there Satan's voice, which is loud and as often as is speaking all the time and trying to pull us back into a posture of leaning into our circumstances and what we see. I heard the enemy tell me, you deserve nothing. You are an addict. You are a fraud. You're a failure. You're a liar because you say one thing at church, but you do the opposite during the week. And I heard that. And I remember I didn't know how to come to my father. I didn't know how to approach God with these filthy rags on me. 
But then I made a decision to, instead of trust what I saw, in faith to reach into a future. And that future is not a better version of myself. That future is Christ Jesus. I decided to, instead of trust what I've got, what the enemy says, I decided to say, okay, this isn't working. I'm going to put on my older brother's clothes. I'm going to step into Christ and not my own strength. So much so that I came before God, weak and frail, but trusting and clinging onto Jesus with everything I have. And I remember the, the Satan, I can imagine this, Satan saying to the Father, saying, saying to God, you can't bless this guy with a future. He is a sinner. Let me tell you what he's done. He's a porn addict. He's a fraud. He's a hypocrite. And the father going, yeah, that sounds like a sinner. Let me feel. It sounds like a sinner, but I feel my firstborn. Sorry. And the saying's like, no, 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 but you don't know. He's, you don't know. He does it every, so repetitively. He, it's just like, he makes promises. He breaks promises all the time. And God goes, no, you're right. It sounds like a sinner. Let me, let me smell. Yeah, but, but it smells like my firstborn. Say, no, no, you don't get it. He deserves nothing. Nothing. The father says, yeah, sounds like a sinner. Let me taste. All I can taste is the blood of the lamb. Can I tell you this morning, a simple word that has revolutionized my heart, and I believe has revolutionized the future of my family, and their, and their children, and their children, because one man, by an act of faith, Isaac, who has no redeeming qualities, for some reason, God said, I'm going to redeem that man who reached into a future he did not even understand. You do not need to be qualified here this morning. You do not need to have read the Bible a million times. You don't need to even have mountains of faith. The Bible says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, he turns that into a future that you do not deserve a future that you could never earn, a future that you could never work for. This is a series. And people will say, are you crazy? I say, damn right I am. Because I choose to shift my weight from circumstance, shift my weight from my broken past, shift my weight from what the enemy says. He's a sinner. And I go, yeah. And the father goes, but he looks like my son. And I've got a future for him. I want to challenge us this morning as a people to pick the scripture up and make this the very cry by faith. Put your name in there. Reached into the future. A future he did not see. A future you do not see. Sir, ma'am, old, young, white, black, rich, poor, whatever you say, God, I'm reaching into the future and not reaching for something you can conjure up, but reaching for Christ who is freedom. And say, God, I'm going to hold on to him and never let go. Strip down. Start running. Never quit. I'm going to ask us, if we can close our eyes very quickly. incredibly brave people, not because they're brave because they're standing up, but brave because they're picking up the call of God. Brave because they say, I won't be dissuaded any longer by my past. I won't be dissuaded any longer by what I see in front of me, what I see with my natural eyes, what I, what I hear the enemy say. But these are people who are saying, we want to pick up the danger-encircled path of obedience, throwing down white picket fence Christianity, and saying, I want to strip down. I want to start running. I never want to quit. And I thank you, Father God, right now in this place, by faith, these people are reaching into the future. And by this action, they're blessing generations to come.
Father, I say, release your spirit upon these sons and daughters. Release courage. Release faith like never before. I pray, God, for those who are standing for the first time trusting you for salvation. I pray, Spirit of God, as they repent, as they say, God, I'm sorry for leaning and trusting my own self for too long. I say, sorry, God, I want to turn away from that and throw my full weight onto Jesus Christ. I'm going all in on Jesus. Not a complex faith. A simple faith with a profound Savior who is more than enough. I pray, put courage in these people. And with joy be their song. As by faith, life changes, reach into the future, and bless generations to come. In Jesus' name I pray.